Hi, this is a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for week ending December 18. Breakfasters is a Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on this podcast, our last for the year, you'll hear us chat with Dr. Viyam Sharma, Melbourne GP, COVID frontline healthcare worker, and of course, regular presenter on radiotherapy. Tell us about Victoria's COVID response and what 2021 may hold. And we also chat to Elizabeth McCarthy. She gives us her review of the two best books of the year. Uh, Justin Deer joined us uh, for Down in Down and Dirty for the last time, uh, for the year, not forever. <laughs> uh, and he chatted to us about Christmas present ideas for gardeners. Uh, Dr G-Spot, or Gemma Sharp, um, came in to talk about a body image chatbot and Simon Hinckley told us about camel spiders. Terrifying. And we came back in the studio for the final show. Yay. It was tremendously exciting. What a milestone. And Sarah Smith joined us for the last Breakfasters Breakdown Quiz for 2020. Triple R. Dr Viom Sharma is a Melbourne GP, COVID frontline healthcare worker and presenter on Triple R's long-running Sunday morning show, Radiotherapy who has kept an eagle eye on everything COVID-19 in 2020 to share his end-of-year ruminations. We're lucky that uh, he joins us on the line now. Dr Sharma, welcome to Breakfasters. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Now, we last spoke to you in mid-March. What, what, tell us what the year's been like for you and frontline healthcare workers in Melbourne. Wow. The mere mention of mid-March is making me wince. <laughs> a lot's happened, hasn't it? It's been... A- for healthcare workers, at least, I think it's been a very tiring year. Um, but we're tired but slightly relieved uh, because we know so much of the bolstering of the health system and our COVID approach has happened. Uh, but, you know, really, the, the year really started with a lot of fear for us. Um, we were looking at what was happening at, at healthcare services everywhere from New York to Italy and you know, we were just bracing ourselves for disaster. Um, so, look, it's ended on a, on a good note. There's a lot of got bad things that have happened in the middle, frankly, but it's ended on the notes that healthcare capacity is there. People understand in this country what, what's required and leaders are you know, kind of acting accordingly. And now we've got the promise of several vaccines. Um, so we're exhausted but, but hopeful mm. is the best way to describe it. What do you reckon were the game-changing moments uh, that punctuated Victoria's COVID-19 response? Um, I think for Victoria, uh, I think it's – there were a couple of moments, I think. It was probably two or three. Uh, firstly is when we started, I guess, to pay people when they were quarantining and isolating. So we'd identify that this was a big financial barrier for people to, to, uh, to, to isolate at home and not attend work. When that was recognised, I think our test, trace, isolate, which is the very basics of COVID control, finally actually started to start working um, the second was, I think, when Victoria decided to go into lockdowns and particularly kind of stage four lockdowns. So the way I think of lockdowns is that they're a necessary evil if you get other things wrong, but they are necessary. Um, and that was actually not just a trigger point for Victoria. It was for the world. Uh, it was shown that a, uh, a second wave can actually be crushed. One of the very few places in the world to, to have done that. Mm. Um, and then, then I think, I actually think probably the, the most underrated thing we've done in Victoria, which is we were the first state to start isolating not just people who are contacts of people who have COVID, COVID but 
contacts off contacts. This is something that like uh, Vietnam has been doing for, for months and months. And uh, I just don't think Western nations were able to put aside their bit of an Anglophone bias and start looking at some of what these SARS-ready uh, countries were doing. Mm. And we started doing that. We nailed it. South Australia is doing the same thing. And with everything that's happening in Sydney in the last 24 hours, I really hope they do the same thing. So it's, it's just these, these basics that we nailed in Victoria finally that give me a lot of confidence. And what about overnight and the, recently in the northern beaches? What do you think might be the run-on effect of this? Will the will what Victoria's been through ready us for what might be down the line? Um, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Uh, I've certainly have not held back my criticisms of, uh, of Victoria and DHHS, but I, I really think they've learned so much. Um, and I think it's it's time that in our entire country, the the states kind of learn from each other, and not just the authorities, actually people. We need to know that we all need to kind of get on the same program. So with Sydney, I certainly hope they start isolating contacts of contacts, just how South Australia and Victoria have been doing. Um, and, and I really hope people you know, really start to mask up in, in Sydney and, and understand that you know, this is something that should really unite us. It's an, it's an act of solidarity. It's not this kind of top-down control imposition. And uh, yeah, the, the sooner we all understand that we're all kind of on the same team here, the, mm. the faster we can get things under control. Like, it's, it is disheartening this close to Christmas. But honestly, I remain very hopeful because we know what the blueprint is to get ourselves out of these holes. Uh, we've done it. Other states have done it. There's no reason we can't do this again. We just need to hold it together until the vaccines start to be rolled out. Um, and I think it's going to be good news. Yeah. And just on the the idea that, you know, Victorians are sort of gagging for a benign dictator to tell us what to do or the, the, this perception, what what are elements of the media and politics that you think have been detrimental to the welfare of the people of Melbourne? Yeah, look, I mean, and without naming um, specific outlets, uh, certain ones have just been incredibly damaging, um, really turning up the emotional valency on some of these discussions and straying away from the facts when it comes to discussing things like lockdowns, which is really the thing that was quite distinct about Victoria, and uh, and looking at you know what went wrong and being very superficial with their analysis and just saying it was you know the private security guards or whatever. So when you when you turn very complex debates into very simple kind of uh, reduce them to just extremely simple superficial elements, you really distract from uh, all just the. But everything that everyone needs to do, right? And it just becomes about kind of pointing fingers. I think that was very bad. Um, I really also thought uh, the, the finger pointing was just inexcusable, actually, by the, by the federal government, really trying to play off state against state, um, being very disingenuous and, you know, kind of talking about the harms of the economy and really just, again, reducing, like, reducing things down to economy versus health. Mm. Uh, it was very, very damaging. Uh, and the reality is that the people who really had uh, skin in the game, which is the states, uh, have really, generally speaking, done a very good job uh, and have not been too attacking of each other. And this is regardless of which government, uh, which party was in power. So um, I, I really think the, that the federal government and certain elements of the media uh, trying to pay people off uh, against each other, kind of ignoring facts and just be, being disingenuous with the, with the nature of the debate, uh, really did, I think, a lot of harm. But the good thing is, when you actually look at the polls, um, people see through it. People see through the nonsense. And uh, and both government uh, and certain media outlets have had a lot of backlash. So you see them kind of respond in, 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 uh, and get back in check. So it tells us that 
our democracy is, is working somewhat, <laughs> sometimes even very well. Um, we're obviously all feeling quite um, hopeful and but also wary of, of the future. What do you think 2021 is going to look like? Uh, look, I think 2021 is going to be the year of the vaccine. Mm. That is the thing that's going to uh, drive everything uh, from how uh, intense our COVID response need to be. And if the vac- everything from the effectiveness of the vaccine to people's acceptance of it, to the rollout of it goes smoothly, we will. I don't think we'll need to be as intense in our restrictions on lockdowns and gatherings, etc. Uh, at the same time, if we start thinking of them as a bit of a false hope and thinking that as soon as they you know, hit the deltoid muscle of some people, it's all over, yeah, we could be in this mess again. Uh, I think 2021 could be an exceptional year as long as governments and authorities and media are very open and honest and transparent about realistic expectations from vaccines. And, uh, and, and we understand that we can't rush near, near the finish line. Um, and we, if we just kind of, if we are patient, uh, I, I think really by the end of 2021, maybe even kind of halfway through, uh, I mean, it, it will be just a completely different mood in the air. Uh, I don't think we're going to have a terrible year like we did in 2020. Just finally, what, what about personally for you this year? You've been very vocal. You've been everywhere. Uh, what's the? Have you had feedback from authorities, or what, what's it been like sticking your your head above the parapet for you this year? Yeah, thanks for asking. Actually, um, it's yeah, it's been quite tough, um, especially early on when you're raising the alarm. Um, and it's been interesting. I've certainly had my share of pushback for, from authorities um, unofficially that I won't kind of go into. But uh, the, the, it's been really bolstering and buoying to see people who have kind of supported me. And this is sometimes people in official positions um, who will say, thanks for the commentary. It's very helpful. And when that comes from, from very specific people who, you know, you know, they can't say that publicly, but are within the system, uh, it just tells you that you know you're on the right track, and and I think w- when you say things with the best of intentions and not with a name to be critical or um, or kind of inflammatory, um, it, and people I think really see that people can see your intentions, mm. uh, and uh, you know, so it feels really nice to, to 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 get that kind of feedback from people because otherwise th- there is a cost. Um, you will be up against people who will be very critical and you know, I'm criticising people who are running hospitals and I'm criticising people who are setting these policies when healthcare workers are, you know, in, 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 the, in, in the line of, uh, of a fire. Um, so it's going to always be heated, but it's just been nice that people, I think, could recognise my intentions and that I'm just trying to say what I think is true. And um, it's it certainly made me feel like there's been a, a huge sense of kind of community here in this otherwise very isolated year. So very grateful for people's support. Well, thank you for keeping us informed throughout the whole year and all the work you do on Triple R. And uh, I guess you embody the value of independent media if, in addition to everything else that you've done this year. So thanks very much. Thank you. Dr. Vyom Sharma. Cheers. Melbourne's own Triple R. Elizabeth McCarthy joins us to review books for the final time in 2020. Oh, it's a bit sad. Oh, it's the last time I'm going to hear that beautiful twinkling of the piano as well. Um, it's one of my favourite intro themes on The Breakfast Show. Um, before it's I one go... of the calmest, let's be honest. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, it's very soothing, very healing. Um, 
I just before I wanted to um, get underway, I wanted to say uh, thank you to you guys for the amazing job you've done working this year remotely and presenting the breakfast show every single day. Well done. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say this in a more private setting, but gee whiz. Yeah, could not have done it without you. And, uh, yeah, thanks for the incredible work and such good-natured and high spirits that, yeah, you bring the show. Yeah, we're sort of um, – we've had a lot of laughs and a lot of – a few tears, but, um, yeah. yeah, we've sort of made it through the year, haven't we? It's um, – yeah. anyway, enough about us. Um, I thought I'd talk today <laughs> about two really great books that came out this year that I'm still thinking about. So, um, of course, there were so many books that came out this year, um, all worthy of their own singular review. However, I thought I'd touch on two books that I reviewed on the show um, – and how they've just really resonated with me. So the first one I'll talk about is Natasha Trethaway's Memorial Drive, A Daughter's Memoir. So um, Natasha Trethaway is a poet who was appointed the United States Poet Laureate uh, in 2012 and again in 2013, and she won the 2007 Pulitzer Prize for Poetry. And this memoir of uh, her mother's death was her first non-poetry book, so it's a memoir of her life with her mother until her mother was killed by her partner in 1985. And it's set in um, the American South. Um, Trethaway was brought up in a very loving home until her parents separated and her mother repartnered with, with a man who from the get-go was manipulative and menacing and um, eventually killed her mother. So she just writes so beautifully about um, her relationship with her mother and that dynamic of wanting to please a parent each day, um, a parent who already loves you, but, you know, if you're a striver, you're still wanting to win their special doting look. So that dynamic that unfolds in the memoir is just beautiful. It's a very short book. And I think I said at the time that um, it's just it's written in a very sort of sparing and prudent way and all her work as a poet comes into play on every page of this memoir. And, you know, if there's one breed of writer who knows that every single word counts and that the space between words is just as important as the words themselves, then, you know, it's the poet. And Natasha Trethaway's Memorial Drive, A Daughter's Memoir, is, uh, you know, one of my books of the year. And Melissa Cranenberg, um, who does Backstory each week on Triple R, um, it's also one of her books of the year too, if you need a further endorsement. How much marginalia is there in your copy of the book? How much scribbling did you do? Well, I, I think I've mentioned before, like, I highlight every single book that I read, whether I'm going to review it or not. I, I'm a big highlighter so that I can just go to my bookshelf, pull out a book and um, flick through it and see what I've highlighted and, you know, what parts resonated with me. So I think for me answering that question is a bit difficult because I just highlight the hell out of everything, Danny. Right. Yeah. Mum's quite shocked. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> now, people think it's sacrilegious. I remember my grandfather saying to me that even um, turning corners on the pages of a book was sacrilegious and disrespectful of the mm. book and the writer. I, mean, mm. I, I, I agree with both. Some, there's something really nice about an old doggy book that you've written on and scribbled, but then it's not as aesthetically pleasing sometimes when you have <laughs> Yeah, I think that's why when I loan books to friends, they get a bit annoyed that I've highlighted, you know, all the best bits. It sort of sucks a bit of the joy out of their own um, naive reading of books or whatever. But the second book I wanted to talk about was um, 
Mark Dapen's Public Enemies, Ray Denning and Muscle, Russell Mad Dog Cox and the Golden yes. Armed Robbery. So this book is basically a fantastic um, rendering of a pre-underbelly generation of criminals who um, held up banks and stores and, you know, all sorts of um, businesses right across the Australian landscape for uh, so many years. Um, so it's it's sort of through the 60s, 70s and 80s that this um, canvassing of armed robbery in Australia um, unfolds by Mark Dapen, expertly written by Mark Dapen, I must say, because I'm not really a massive true crime reader. And so he doesn't sort of wallow, He does, you know, there's no sense of Mark Dapen getting off on all the stuff that he's outlining, which a lot of true crime really suffers from, I feel. Mm. So, um, yeah, so this is a book about um, why there were so many bank robberies in the news in the 70s and 80s and, and also why they stopped. And they stopped because of CCTV cameras and tellers in banks being able to activate bulletproof glass um, security screens between them and the bank robbers. And so, and how dangerous it was working as a bank teller, because uh, for this, this is one statistic from the book. In 1980 in New South Wales alone, there were over 1,000 armed holdups. So on one hand, this is a book about robbing banks in 30 seconds flat and being on the run from cops and being sentenced to years in jail and escaping maximum security prisons. Like these were very hardened, uh, smart criminals, this particular sort of cohort of criminals that Dapen explores in this book. But it's also a book about prison reform and um, and the mistreatment, neglect and abuse of children who were sent to boys' home, boys' homes for being, um, you know, uncontrollable children and who were then abused and punished despicably in these homes and who as young adults commit petty crimes and wind up in the prison system for life in the revolving door. Um, and it's also uh, so, I mean, Russell Mad Dog Cox, um, it's a bit of a misnomer, that name, because he's, he's not mad. He's incredibly cunning, incredibly smart. He was on the run for 11 years in Australia and um, was captured at um, Doncaster Westfield Shopping Town, which is right up around the corner from where I grew up, which was a very exciting time in Doncaster, Ooh. let me tell you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's kind of, you know, the history of crime and punishment in, in 60s, 70s and 80s Australia is absolutely barbaric, as if we need a reminder, um, but it truly is. And um, this is a thrilling and shocking read, and it's really, really well written. He's done his research, um, and one of the right ways that he's done his research is not taking everyone, including ex-cops, criminals, lawyers and what have you, at their word. He's done a lot of digging and researching and, and fact-checking of these incredible tales of this generation of criminals. I heard a bank teller in the States from that era say that the FBI told them that 95% of bank robberies were successful and most bank robbers get caught and those two things can be true at the same time because they just keep doing it. Mm. Yeah, yes, exactly. I mean, and there's this quote in the, like one of the criminals addresses this kind of legend that um, that robbing a bank is even better than an orgasm, and um, <laughs> you know it's better than your best orgasm, mate. And um, and yeah, this criminal's just like, look, I just I think that's a load of baloney. It, it's 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 quite a different experience to having an orgasm. <laughs> Final words. <for> you. <laughs> In case there was any doubt, now we know. 
Yes. So that that book clears up that very important um, point, <laughs> as, as well as many other very important points. Um, it's just a brilliant book. So that book is called um, Public Enemies, Ray Denning and Russell Mad Dog Cox and the Golden Age of Armed Robbery. Mm-hmm. So those two books, I mean, there were so many good books that came out this year, but those two books are the ones that have stayed with me. Um, and they're both actually about very violent men. Yes. And yeah. uh, both... Uh, non-fiction? Yes. Both non-fiction. So the first one is a memoir and the second one is a piece of reporting. Yeah. And I must also say there was something quite thrilling reading about the history of armed robbery when we were deep in lockdown. It just pre- presented on the page such an act- action-packed Australia, um, which none of us have really experienced this year, have we? Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, well, there's your Christmas sorted, Tom. Uh, <laughs> it's Natasha Trethaway, Memorial Drive, and Mark Dappen's Public Enemies, Russell De- and then the subtitle is Russell Mad Dog Cox, Ray Denning and the Golden Age of Armed Robbery. Elizabeth McCarthy, what a year. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel, Jez and Mon. And it's been, um, it's been a thrill for me to produce <laughs> you guys and work with you so closely um, pretty much every day. Save it for Friday, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, it's not over yet. <laughs> All right. I'll Thank see you, you soon. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Triple R. Dirt, dirt, dirt. It's where you grow your plants. Dirt, dirt, dirt. Hey, you got some on your pants. Can you stop singing about dirt? Gardening guru Digger joins us with clean face and supple skin for his final segment before we go our separate ways for the break. Morning, Digger. Morning, Mom. You're all looking pretty bright too. Oh, thank, oh, thank you. you. Perked up. It's like it's so close now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, perhaps there's a bit of that. Uh, yeah. Well, how uh, how are you uh, as we as we head towards this this break? Um, I'm usually a Grinch, but I've got two days left of work, so I'm really looking forward to Christmas this year. Oh, do you have a big um, break? Yeah, I have a big break. I, I'm finishing two days, and I don't go back to work until the 9th of February. Oh, <gasps> Um Yeah, that's the beauty. I, I do all the school holidays and that kind of stuff, and being self-employed, I kind of, you know, just make it up as I go. Oh. Brilliant. Sweet. Do you usually <laughs> do you miss gardening when you when you're not there? Like it did, gradually, just like oh, I want to get back. Um, I I never really stop because I'm always looking at stuff. You know, it's kind of a bit annoying on the family holidays. It's like let's go look at the koalas. Like oh my god, look at that callistaman. Have a look. Got the kids by the hand dragging across the roads. Have a look at a bottle brush. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so that never stops. Oh, brilliant. Um, well, what are we talking about this week? Um, well, I thought. Um, it's so close to Chrissy, and I've actually got Christmas spirit this year for the first time in my life. So I wrote this whole list of presents because it's been such an such an unusual year. I thought, like, for gift giving for to gardeners, it needs to be, you can kind of go kooky this year and get away with it. Mm. Pretty unusual kind of breed, and so you can yeah. You know, there's just so, so many <laughs> fun things you can do for Christmas. So I've got a Christmas list if you're gonna if, you know just just bear with me. Perfect. Um, so number one, uh, I've all time, and it really is a bugbear of mine with my students, coming to classes and stuff, most of the time they bring secretaires, but they don't have a holster. Now, you know about my holster. I love yeah. my holster. I'm wearing my holster to do the kids' lunches. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you cut them. <laughs> you can do carrots and cucumbers and, and sandwiches, but you just can't do tomatoes, for those of you out there who want to try it. <laughs> holsters. Everyone who's got a pair of secretaires needs a pair of holsters. 
it will save you money in the long run. You won't get holes in your pants and you won't get stitches in your bum when you sit down on them. So holsters for secretaires is a must. And are there genuine injuries? There are genuine injuries, yeah, absolutely. So they, you know, you forget you've got them in your pocket. You sit down; it either goes into your thigh or into your butt, you know. And it's just—it's not comfy. No. <laughs> <laughs> and a holster seals all that up. And so, plus, you always know where they are. You never put them down and lose them. I've had these same secateurs and that for you know nearly thirty years now. So, mm. just purely because of the holster. And your holster is what brown leather. Yeah. Well. This holster was bought it's with a custom... the that made for each other. Oh, yeah. Um, Beautiful. You know, so 30-year-old holster. But, you know, whatever it takes, just something to put your bloody secretaires in. It's not that hard. Mm. <laughs> and attach it to your belt or onto, onto your pants. So that's one. I think a subscription to a seed company, because during COVID everyone was going crazy trying to do a bit of gardening, there's so many new gardeners out there that haven't found out that there's seed companies that you can subscribe to and buy all sorts of weird shit. It's bloody magic so mm. if someone's into into seeds then yeah maybe a subscription following on from that again propagation everyone started you know thinking the end of the world was coming everyone started you know growing their own veggies from seed so you need some sort of little propagation house and you can get them pretty cheap you know from the sausage shop or you can knock one up yourself so some way to propagate seeds would be great if you're going to go down that path and someone's already got one maybe a thermometer Ooh. <laughs> <Mom>. <laughs> who would think that you know you need a thermometer in the hothouse to know the temperatures to know what temperatures do tomatoes proper um, germinate at what temperature do cucumbers germinate um. at all this information is really important your faces are like this guy's well, completely lost his mind i've propagated <laughs> easy easy things like indoor plants like devil's ivy and you just stick it in water and it grows roots but this is so yeah. obviously it gets more complicated it gets more complicated yeah so um so if you're kind of keen, um, you need a thermometer. So that reminds me, actually, there is someone, uh, a listener, Garbo, if you're listening, I know he's halfway through knocking up a greenhouse. Maybe you could put it on Santa's list <laughs> that you need a thermometer. Santa Deb, Santa Deb, if you're listening, <laughs> pop it on. <laughs> um, um, pH kits. Know what the pH of your soils are. Give that to a gardener. Be testing them all the time. Moisture meters. The little probe that you can get that you know you just put into your into your pots especially, and they tell you when you need to water. Oh. And you don't need to water. Cool. Are they how, how, how? Yeah. What What's a moisture meter? What does it look like? Um, it looks like a, a knitting needle with a little tiny box on the top of it with a with a dial that says dry, not so cool. dry, super dry. Oh. <laughs> um, you could use your finger, but you know we're talking about gifts and yeah, <laughs> buy someone a gift. Um, um, obviously there's a whole stack of the classic stuff like consultations and books, but to get a little bit more creative, how about some mulch? Buy someone a couple of bales of pea straw or get a, get a couple of cubic metres of mulch delivered to their house. My yeah. mother-in-law sent out her Christmas wish list the other day and it included, she wants six deliveries of mulch throughout the year. Wow. So specific. Loves Loves the mulch. <laughs> this is stuff that only gardeners will get. You'll feel like a dickhead buying them, but when they receive them, their faces will light up and they'll just love you. Mm, so yeah. to, what else could it be? Maybe you could volunteer to turn their compost for a year. Come once a month and just turn their compost. It doesn't oh. have to cost then. Yeah. Maybe a couple of hours of weeding. Give mm. someone the gift of weed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> weeding, very different. Yeah. Weeding, weeding. Um, but most of all this year, because, you know, again, people have been growing lots and lots of veggies, new to gardening, and not everyone has come to love the humble polystyrene box, but they will. At new gardeners, polystyrene boxes, highly insulated, fantastic for gardening over summer because of that insulation value. So a lot of your veggies won't dry out because they're in polystyrene boxes, and you can find them from free. Go down the market. They're single-use only, so they're just going to go to landfill. So give the gift of polystyrene. Wow. And, and so uh, let's, let's circle back. The propagation house, yeah. it, how, how small do they come and how big do they come? The smallest one I've ever seen, and here's one I prepared earlier, and we yeah. didn't up, is Whoa. a strawberry punnet. Oh, strawberry punnet. Oh. The lid, it closes. It's got drainage holes. It'll trap heat. And so if you put a little soil in the bottom of that, you can put your seeds in and flip the lid, you've got yourself a, a hothouse. <gasps> oh, my oh. God. That's as small as a Outstanding. This goes to show how dirty my, my office is that I have one of those. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just never know when you might need to prop. Um. The, the, the mulch is such a good idea. And the I am a little bit taken aback, Jez, by it. Isn't six deliveries so that you're taking the piss a bit? No. Look at, look at Digger's face then. Absolutely not. <laughs> You never. I was going to say tight ass. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, six. Six isn't going to go that far. No, go. no, but it's throughout the year. It's like, and so you've got to arrange that as well. It's not, you know, you're not just done with it at Christmas, or do you? You can get the deliveries organised before oh, Christmas. Our, our our local tip: you can go there free mulch. Take your trailer down, fill it up, and away you go. That's what yeah. we do. No problem. Yeah, organising to get you know seasonal drops of mulch is a bloody cracker. That's a great one. Yeah, and I love the weeding as well, especially because we haven't been able to catch up a lot this year. It's a good chance to maybe shoehorn in a visit. Exactly, exactly. So you can kill kill two birds with one stone. Go out, see each other, do a bit of weeding. Job's done, and then you don't have to do that until the next pandemic. Um. I was just thinking there's for other gift ideas. There's this book, I don't know what you think about it. It's called The Urban Farmer, How to Create a Productive Garden in Any Space. Do you reckon yeah. that would be a good one th- or not? There's a whole stack of books on, that I had on my list, but I thought that's probably the better one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what is, what's the name of that again? The Urban Farmer. The Urban yeah. Farmer. The Urban Farmer. The Urban Farmer. Cool. <laughs> Thank you, Jess. Very well done. Um, Do you know who wrote it? <laughs> Oh, look, the name of the guy escapes me. Escapes me now. Yeah. <laughs> but the Urban Farmer, um, available at all good bookstores and online, thanks. <laughs> well, um, you guys have been doing a bit of gardening this year, especially you, Jez. What would, you, what would be your ideal gardening gift? Uh, oh, um, more trees. Fantastic. Mm. That's yeah. the last one on my list. I think everyone should give everyone else one tree. Oh. Okay. Everyone give everyone a tree and we all plant trees and we start sorting out a bit of carbon and we start getting better oxygen quality and we give the birds a bit more homes. It's as simple as let's just give each other trees. I gave my brother a tree recently as a gift and um, and it he, it died <laughs> within a couple of months because I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I tried to go too exotic. I got him a sunrise lime and then all the leaves went brown. Um, so maybe choose wisely. 
Yeah, maybe choose wisely. Or, you know, give him a, a little book that goes along with that to teach them how to look after it, maybe. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, trees would be great. Yeah. Um, Digger, not to get too sappy, pardon the pun, but uh, you've been an absolute balm in lockdown and we've really appreciated chatting to you and you've, you've been so inventive with the topics and tips that you've come in with and, uh, yeah, you've made this year much more bearable. Thank you so much. Ah, oh, pleasure. And likewise, you know, our, our cold winter's morning just to get a laugh because we were so down and in the dumps and not knowing what was going on. So appreciate the laughs. Um, to all the listeners, have a great harvest season. Um, you know, stay safe, all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, just get out and enjoy the natural world. Yeah. Uh, ignore the koalas. Go for the trees. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, Digger, you're a legend. Thanks very much. Have Thanks, a great break. Digger. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Dr Gemma Sharp, a.k.a. G-Spot on Triple R's Sunday morning show Radiotherapy, is a clinical psychologist and 2020 Eureka Prize national finalist who leads the Body Image Research Group at the Monash Alfred Psychiatry Research Centre. Dr Sharp is behind a world-first chatbot providing 24-hour support about body image issues that will help young people living with eating disorders. And to tell us about it, the recipient of this year's Australian Psychological Society Early Career Researcher Award joins us on the line now. Gemma, welcome. Welcome to Breakfasters. Thank you so much for having me. And what an introduction. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I even remembered all that. <laughs> it's, all, it's all true. Um, can, you, can you introduce us to Kit? Absolutely. So, um, so Kit's the world first positive body image chatbot and Kit lives on um, Butterfly's homepage, which is www.butterfly.org.au. But Kit can also be accessed through Facebook and Instagram. And so your listeners might be going, what is a chatbot? And I think probably people would be more familiar with chatbots than they realise. Um, so say they're like browsing on a website, um, you know, looking at health insurance or something like that, you'll get a little pop-up saying, would you like to know more about this? And, um, and Kit is using that similar AI technology, just going, can I help you with your body image concerns or are you concerned about your body image for yourself or someone else? And here are some options that might help you. Mm. And how does it work? Uh, so in terms of um, once you've got into Kit, so you've clicked on an ad or you've clicked on the pop-up on the body, um, sorry, the butterfly site, um, Kit starts the conversation with basically, I'm a chatbot, not a real person, so don't mm -hmm. expect me to understand everything and I'm not manned by a real counsellor. So we have that safety messaging first up um, and also talks about the research behind it very briefly. And then there's kind of two options. There's like, are you here for yourself or are you here for someone else? And then that takes you down to quite different pathways. Um, so Help For Myself uh, teaches you about sort of what body image and eating disorder issues are just to upskill people on what to look out for and also teaches a bunch of coping skills, um, which I normally teach in my clinic anyway. And in terms of the help for someone else, that, again, does that kind of education, but also talks about um, how to start conversations with the person you love in order to encourage help seeking for them. Mm. Can you speak to the value of a chatbot over a person-to-person -person communication? 
Yeah, great question. Um, so I think with a chatbot, I suppose it's um, it's less daunting. I think the helplines are such a wonderful service, but we know particularly with young people that making a phone call to someone is a bit weird for them anyway, um, but particularly for such a sensitive issue. So kits there being non-judgmental, anonymous, confidential, just can really start that conversation off and hopefully lead people to seeking in-person support if they need it. Mm. And what's been the effect, if any, of the pandemic on eating disorders in Australia? Oh, the effect has been huge. Um, There was actually a piece in The Age over the weekend saying that out of all the mental health conditions, eating disorders have been the most affected. So we've seen people who were in recovery, unfortunately, relapse. We've seen people develop new eating disorders and people who had eating disorders, their symptoms have got worse. So it has been absolutely horrific, unfortunately. What is it about being in a pandemic or being in lockdown that causes relapses and 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 this you know increase? Yeah, it's um it's not um a straightforward answer there, Geraldine, but um it really is. I suppose there's a lot of heightened anxiety, although it doesn't feel like it now, but certainly throughout the pandemic, people were very concerned about um, becoming unwell. Um, There was also some food scarcity at the start. There was all that panic buying. It wasn't just toilet rolls. It was things like pasta um, and other essential items. So people weren't necessarily able to um, to get their safe foods and just that lack of control really that's something that's a big deal for people experiencing eating disorders and when you suddenly can't go out you suddenly can't go to school anymore or your work shifts entirely online it's just like people's worlds were turned upside down and um, for people experiencing eating disorders that can sometimes lead to um, dysfunctional eating behaviors and, and exercise behaviors mm. and what about, uh, not to single out one social media app, I suppose, but Instagram's just had its 10th birthday. What, what do you, what trends have you tracked with social media's impact on eating disorders? Um, I think, well, we, we knew that um, mainstream media tended to um, have, a, have a negative impact on people's eating and body image issues and social media is no different in that. I suppose what's different about social media and and you point out Instagram there is that uh, we're actually part of the media, like we're producing our own, we're consuming it, it's not so passive Um, and I think that's what really um, has been problematic for body image issues in that we're looking at really curated photos and then creating our own edited photos in order to I suppose fit in with that social media landscape and I think Instagram in particular is so photo based and that's what we know is really triggering for people with body image issues but I think one thing well actually a couple of things Instagram has really been trying unlike some other social media platforms by for example um, eliminating dieting ads um, trying to remove number of likes and things like that so I feel like Instagram really have been trying quite hard um, in comparison to some other platforms. Mm. Do you see parents beating themselves up at all for any issues their children face? Absolutely. I think parents beat themselves up for any any issue they see with <laughs> their kids. I mean, the poor things, they're just doing their best. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, I'm not here to parent shame at all, but I think I suppose that's why Kit has that really strong arm of, like, parents, carers, loved ones. That, that includes partners and friends as well. So it, 
kit's there to help everyone. What are some of the um, warning signs that, um, you know, people that don't know about um, eating disorders might not necessarily pick up on? Um, Yeah, I think such a good question there. Um, I suppose there are the more obvious ones, as you're saying, like, you know, someone's rapidly losing weight, they're um, restricting their eating. But I think... I suppose one that's really cropped up recently that people wouldn't necessarily pick up on is that if someone becomes extraordinarily health focused, um, so they're like, oh, I, I must engage in this clean eating, they might not feel comfortable eating at restaurants because they don't know exactly what's in the food, um, they'll become quite obsessive with exercise, maybe decline invitations for social things because they need, have an appointment at the gym or something like that. And these behaviours are often praised, like, oh, good on you for, you know, declining that dessert. But but really, um, a, a diet includes all of all of the foods and, and we shouldn't be declining social invitations just because of exercise. And are you worried now that we're coming out of lockdown and there's all this discussion about, oh, we've put on weight in lockdown and now we're going to try, and then there's the news resolution. Is this a bit of a fraught time as well? This is a horrific time. Um, Christmas is normally quite bad anyway, um, but because there's all these COVID memes about weight gain, etc., it is really, really bad. And um, Kit does have specific COVID-19 sections addressing this very topic, um, but it is really worrying. I think... Um, uh, you know, our, our bodies do gain weight in response to stress and I think it could um, naturally equilibrate of its own accord with, with um, restrictions lifting, etc. But I think the messaging around, um, around weight is really concerning and I, I'm always banging on about, you know, weight is not your worth. The number on the scale does not dictate what kind of a person you are. Mm. Uh, and this is the – you've just launched Kit – so the more people use it, the better kit becomes. Is that the way it works? It's exactly right. We've actually been um, really, really thrilled with the response to kit, not even a month online and already thousands of users. So it's so exciting for a mental health intervention. And indeed, the more people who use kit, the smarter kit becomes. So we know exactly what questions we should be, or I suppose what, what information we should be presenting first and then the flow through of the conversation. So we did this work with focus groups throughout the year. So we had a pretty good guess as to what to teach Kit, but the users now coming through now are really the ones doing the job educating Kit. Right. And who are you working with? How many, who's the, what's the team behind Kit? Uh, it's a it's a very big team. So I've got my team at Monash. We've also got researchers at Swinburne. We have the delightful Butterfly Foundation. Um, we also have our chatbot builder team who are fantastic in Proxima and our graphic design team, Yoke. Right. And uh, is, is there any – so Kit should be the first step, you think. And, and I wonder whether uh, – how Kit differs from, say, leaning on Dr Google. <laughs> um, gosh, yes. I mean, obviously, um, uh, Google has lots of great information. I suppose um, 
what KIT is, is designed by a team of expert researchers and clinicians to give you the evidence-based information that we think will best assist people. So I suppose we filter out some of that rubbish information, some of that information that actually promotes eating disorders inadvertently, because that's a lot of what is on the internet. Um, so I think we know that our evidence is, is the best quality. Uh, it's quite an extraordinary development you've created. It's uh, it's Thank free you. and also confidential, isn't it? You, you can guarantee confidentiality? Absolutely, yeah. Kit never asks for any names, personal information. In fact, we act, um, Kit actively discourages it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you can access Kit at butterfly.org.au forward slash chat to Kit. And um, is there, are there any other details you'd like to give out? Um, I suppose just uh, Butterfly's helpline number there, guys. I'm just quickly Googling it. I should know it off the top. <laughs> no, is it, is it 1-800-334-673? That's the one. And just if in a crisis, obviously, call Lifeline on 13 11 14 if this um, discussion's been uh, triggering for you. I hope not. But thank you so much for having me on the show. Our pleasure. And that, that Butterfly Foundation number again, 1-800-334-673. Uh, Dr Gemma Sharp, well done and um, thanks for all your year on Triple R and uh, hopefully talk in the future. Thank you so much for having me and well done to you guys on your massive year. <laughs> oh, thank you. Triple R. Simon Budman Hinkley is here to report on the um, civil world of insects. Hi, Simon. Morning, everybody. Good morning. Hello. It's the final one of the year. Yes, and I, I will try and finish with a, a Christmas angle if we get time. Depends how long we want to talk on camel spiders Thank for. Thank uh, So I chose this just because uh, you won't see them in Australia, so that's a bit of a it's a first strike. Um, but they're a very interesting group of invertebrates. So the the group is called Solifugae, which is from the Latin, which means those that shun the sun. So they are, um, I'll sort of try and describe their physical appearance. They're called camel spiders, whip scorpions, sun spiders, that sort of thing. And there's about a thousand species in the world. They're in every continent except Antarctica and Australia. So they aren't quite a scorpion and they aren't quite a spider. So but they do have sort of the two general body parts, so abdomen, and then what's called a, a cephalothorax or a cephalothorax, which is basically the head and thorax combined. That's where the, the eight legs are attached. But what's very interesting about them is uh, their jaws or chelicerae, which if you try and imagine a scorpion's pincers, but four of those and going into a point, each of them going to a point is sort of like the, the mouth parts. So really quite um, impressive. And they can be up to a third of the body length. And they're used for, um, for digging, uh, shunning the sun, so they want to get out of the heat, digging, uh, food capture, and also reproduction. So, uh, and they're also quite hairy. So they do present, for those that don't like spiders or scorpions, it's a bit of sort of like the horror of the combination of the two. Um, and they do go re reasonably fast. So about, I think that's about up to 16 kilometres an hour. So oh. that's, that's reasonably fast. Um, and so they're very interesting in a number of ways. Basically, I guess in some ways, they're like one of the apex group of predators. So uh, like the scorpions and the large spiders. So they, they can be used for things like uh, environment health. So if you're losing the apex predators, it implies there's something very wrong going on further down the system. But 
one of the really interesting things about this group is, I guess, the power of the internet to take one image and really change uh, or really sort of embed a, a view of these creatures. So I have to admit, before this sort of hit the internet, even though we've got some in the collection, I didn't know a lot about these these uh, invertebrates. But basically, it sort of cropped up in the early 2000s in, I think it was, was that the first or the second invasion of Iraq? Anyway, the, the Western troops were in, in Iraq. I think it was probably after September 11. And the a soldier has photographed two of these uh, camel spiders, one hanging off the other. So whether or not they were fighting, um, cannibalism is 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 um, not unknown. So whether they were fighting, trying to eat each other, or it was an interrupted mating. So he's got one hanging off the other, and it's the classic um, fisherman would know it well. You hold the prey right up close to the camera, and you stand back as far as you can. So the perspective and the angle made these things look about a foot long each. Mm. Then it took off that they scream, they chase people, uh, they disembowel camels, they can jump, oh, they're very venomous. All these things sort of took off. And um, we were getting inquir inquiries at the museum, you know, is this true? Do we have them in Australia? Uh, they don't disembowel camels. I would imagine being strongly omnivorous as in they'll eat anything and or carnivorous. If they found a dead camel, they'd probably have a go at it, but they're not able to jump and disembowel a camel. They're not a foot long. The mandibles can be rubbed against each other and make a slight hissing sound. They don't quite scream. But basically, I guess the one that if you were in the desert and there was a camel spider there, why do you think the, the rumour might have taken off that they chase people? Do you reckon there's any truth to that or why might that have sort of sprung up? Well, if they're trying to get out of the heat, people cast shadows? Christmas chocolates to Daniel. That <gasps> is exactly right. Oh, mate. Yeah. So you can imagine if you're standing in the desert and you're a, sun, a camel spider and it's 45 degrees and someone gets out of a car and casts a shadow, you run into the shadow, that person goes, oh, hell, what's that coming at me? They move back, camel spider moves with you, and so the dance begins. Oh, so friend. that's sort of, I guess, where that idea of being chased comes from. <sighs> but they're just trying to get out of the heat. Which is wow. understandable in the desert. How what are they, they doing in the desert? Oh. Sorry, Mon, go ahead. No, no. I, just... oh, I mean, I just want to know why, if you don't like the sun, what are you doing there? <laughs> if you don't love it, leave. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a, an excellent question and I, I've been too generalistic. Yes, they, they are called, the group is named after things that are called shun the, shun the sun or flee from the sun, but there are species that will come out during the day. There's basically, I guess... Um, there's so much mutation and adaptation in animals that there's there's an animal to take advantage of every opportunity. So if it's 48 degrees in the middle of the day and only one other thing comes out, there'll be something that's designed to come out and try and feed on that. Right. So, yeah, they're out at all times of the day, mostly at night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask how, how big they actually are. Sorry, I forgot to mention that at the start. So they go from a couple of millimetres up to about sort of 12, 13 centimetres. Oh, so the so bigger big. ones are relatively impressive. <gasps> Yeah, and the, the mandibles are also used. They're actually quite unknown. We, we don't know a lot about them, which is sort of surprising given how many there are, but I guess it boils down to the fact that they're often, not exclusively, but often in unpleasant climates like extreme desert and apparently very short-lived in captivity. They just don't do well in captivity. They like to sort of run and forage, and they obviously can't do that in captivity. But one, one lady did a study in Texas uh, looking at reproduction and it, it seemed to be a fairly 
extreme event in the sense that the male encounters the female and he's sort of like, oh, sorry, I should have said they also have a pair of what are called petty palps, which resemble a fifth pair of legs. And they're held out in front of the invertebrate as they're walking along. Um, so it looks like they've got five pairs of legs, mm. but that first long one are what are called petty palps. And they have a little uh, suction thing on the end that they can use to grab their prey and also to climb things, very sort of sticky. So when they encounter a female, a bit of tapping, and she goes quite, some sites say a torpor, but she goes quite sort of calm and pliable. He gets a bit rough. And then what he does is he actually puts the the chelicero, the, the mouth parts, the sort of four jaws, into the genital opening, and he starts making a motion that looks like he's eating. So the head is going backwards and forwards. She said, and I think, I don't want to quote her exactly, but she said something like to quote, he's going to town on the lady parts, which I thought it was interesting <laughs> that a scientist used the word lady parts. But, um, or going so- to town. <laughs> <laughs> Merry that Christmas. goes on for a while and we don't know why. Like maybe he's uh, – he might actually be removing sperm from a previous mating oh thing. Gosh. He wants his own mm. sperm to be the deal. He might – maybe she requires something has to be done there that makes it more receptive. But it just seems quite um, uh, an interesting way to go about it. And apparently if anything goes wrong, if she comes out of that torpor – She's not happy, so there's there's oh. payback if, if anything's gone wrong. So he's got to do it right, but then, yeah, he will do that and then he'll insert a sperm packet and then sort of go again. So whether or not he's breaking the packet open, it's all very weird. Oh. So if anyone's out there wanting to do a PhD on camel spider reproduction, mm. there's um, it made her feel quite uncomfortable, apparently the researcher, but if anyone's into that, there's a world of knowledge to be discovered. For everyone. No, white seems... goes for a while. <laughs> I think it's says, infamous romance, uh, Simon Hinkley. But, but, it, but it's got to get the job done and then otherwise yeah. yeah. she's not yeah, she, He's in a lot of trouble. She's generally bigger and um, when she comes out of that torpor, she can be apparently very bitey. Mm. Oh, well, yeah, well, Simon Hinkley, uh, Christmas chocolates to you for bringing us that little bit of information <laughs> into our lives. What, mm. a, what a Christmas treat that is. <laughs> I'll very quickly Goes say. To town. <laughs> Four jaws really enter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, it, I certainly had lots of visuals. It was like because you look at the mandibles and you go, "That's that can't be it." it uh, anyway, I don't want to anthropomorphise too much, but um, yep. Yep. Uh, and I did want to say um, for Mon, Christmas beetles mm. are out. Thank you. Um, very very beautiful um, iridescent Australian beetles, about three centimetres long. 36 different odd species, and I saw them out flying on the weekend. They're classic at falling in the pool. So if you're in the pool and you see them, fish them out so they can dry out and fly off somewhere else, especially because there's some anecdotal evidence that the populations are down quite a bit in recent years, whether or not that's loss of habitat, climate, just one of those things we don't don't quite know. But um, keep an eye out for the Christmas beetles. I remember when I was a kid, you might have done the same thing. You put them in your hand and you feel them trying to sort of get out between your fingers. It's quite... Uh, quite a weird sensation they don't bite but they've got little um claws on their feet so it feels a bit prickly mm. but they're very very lovely australian insects so pick up and cuddle a christmas beetle for christmas okay thanks bug man Thank simon you. hinkley from <laughs> melbourne museum what a joy it's been this year and also to get a glimpse of you into interior decorating with that <laughs> I know Geraldine wants these curtains. Geraldine wants they're they're beautiful printed gold <laughs> curtains and they are a real treat to see every month. <laughs>
Um, good on you, Simon. Merry Christmas Thanks. and thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. Merry Christmas to you and to everyone who's listening at home as well. Thanks, Simon. Triple. Ah. Uh, it is our final show of the year. Mark up day. Mark up day. Yes, so yeah. we're out of here. <laughs> uh, and ha- I don't know if anyone um, can hear this, but we're actually all under the same roof. We're um, back in the Triple R studio. Mm. I could interrupt you and not feel like. Yeah. Also, see that Daniel is an isn't um, a pixelated man. <laughs> it's quite a thrill. Uh, and it's we'll just say we've, it's it's like uh, everything's turned to colour in the Wizard of Oz um, because this is the first time since April that uh, I've heard Daniel's voice mm. in real life. Mm. <laughs> oh my god! It's very it's spine tingly. Mm. It's weird. I know it's, you know, as a listener, you're going, we, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't exactly. Sound that different, Th- that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, but we're bloody over the moon to be under the same roof and um, socially distant, of course. We're still doing that. And, but we're, it's been quite the year. So uh, to have this small little victory is mm. just, um, it's it's really nice for us. And I'm yeah. so out of practice getting here. I, oh, God, I took a wrong turn. Oh, Did you? I ended up on a freeway. No. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to Ringwood. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you've got you. <laughs> I just zoned out. I'm just, I was so just appalled with myself. Don't be. It's fine because I think my um, maps app on my phone zoned out as well because I was driving in and then also I'm like, you want me to turn right? Okay. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay I'm turning right. And then it does that weird spinny thing. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> spins around and then it goes, rerouting. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, you told me. Okay, no problem. All right, you're back under control. And anyway, it took me an extra 10 minutes to get here, but that is no problem at all. It was so, like, just even that drive in, and I was listening, uh, you know, um, listening to Vanessa's show on the way in. It was just like, it's such a different experience listening to the radio when you're driving in the car at, you know, quarter to five in the morning. Mm. It's like, oh, this is, I don't know why it sounds better, but mm. it just. Yeah. It just does. I think you can pay attention a bit more, you know. It's it's, it's nice. it, yeah, it's one of the great. I don't know. It's it's almost it's difficult to put words to, but it's so comforting. Mm. And it's it makes you feel sort of alive and a part of it and yeah. awake and present and uh you know, like it, the sun's coming up and you're yeah. getting up with it. It's nice. Good morning everybody. Yeah, morning. Good morning. Uh, anyway, we are very excited to be. It's our last show of the year. Obviously, um, normally we'd be um, living it up, sinking the beers and coffees at the same time, champagne uh, <laughs> at the Corner Hotel. Mm. Um, but we're, you know, so and we obviously we love those shows because uh, we can people can come and we can see all your beautiful faces and it's nice to be in touch with our listeners because obviously especially now that we're you know we've spent the so the year so isolated um 
it really it, we feel it a lot not being connected um so feel free to send us a text um you know give us a, a virtual um beer <laughs> cheers <laughs> uh 04669810027 is the text line if you want to give us a shout out we'd um we just we're very needy and we yeah. love you it's also good to be here because i feel like i've con- inconvenienced absolutely everybody in my life for the entire year like and there's been pop-up studios mm. in spare rooms in other people's bedrooms in you know I've I've been an inconvenience to Jesse's parents my parents mm. uh and yeah to 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 be at work and not burden other people oh with my work also it's so nice not I mean it's lovely when it happens but <laughs> It, I get a fright every morning when someone appears from behind me to give me a coffee. Yeah. So I, nev- I never hear Kath come in the room. No one ever gives me any. Everyone else can see a walk creeping yeah. up behind me and then all of a sudden there's a, ah, okay, thank you. I don't you. know what to say. Like I don't know what okay. weather to warn you. I just assumed you knew. No, yeah. never. It's, it's Couple's just... intuition. I thought you... Well, that, the sliding door that you've got is obviously well greased. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's it's very. Um, anyway, we're uh, oh, last, what are you going to do in the holidays? I think I'm going to um, start a podcast in my bedroom. Oh, great oh, idea! Put the equipment. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Um, oh, look, it's just I'll. It's it's going to be uh, Gabriel's first summer. Ooh, yeah. I think there'll be a bit of beach. There was, there was. Uh, he doesn't like sunscreen going on him. Mm. Yeah, who does? Well, that's what, that's right. <laughs> mm. And so Jesse looked it up. No one does. Yeah. <laughs> she thought it was a, maybe a problem or a symptom or something. No, or a, just does a... she put on sunscreen? Where does she feel about it? Oh, oh. I, oh I'm kind of like that. I kind of like it. Oh, you do? You know? Unless it's like a bad sunscreen, but sometimes it's like, oh, you know, oh, like refreshing. a real, yeah, mm. refreshing. And then it also means that I'm going outside in the sun and that's exciting. Well, yeah. I mean, Jessie slathers herself in oil every, well, traditionally has. I'm, I'm not sure if she'd like me saying this, but <laughs> olive oil. Ooh. Oh, well, not not for the beach. No, not for the beach. Yeah, exactly. So it's possible that, that she finds it quite meditative. Uh, yeah. Oh, I can see, yeah, I can absolutely see that. That's, yeah. yeah, that's not, and it's that, oh, just rubbing your face. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. present. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm into it, but I see both sides. Yeah, but if you've got one bathroom, mm. you've really got to schedule everything. You, you know, like if mm. if someone's in the bar when you've got one bathroom and you're sharing it with someone who slathers their entire body in oil <laughs> in the bathroom, sounds hot. <laughs> I was like, "What time is it?" <laughs> then you really got to make sure you got your shower in place and everything. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I think it'll just be it'll be. I mean, I I asked uh, who did I ask? I asked Fee Wright tips for reading a book. Because I intended yes. to read uh, yeah. a book every two days. I said a book a day, mm. but I'm good. that's a setup for disappointment. Um, and her, her advice was fantastic. Mm. Yeah. What was it again? It was like sit, um, put your phone on, put your phone in a different room. Different room. Yes. yes. And set, oh, no, even was it like even set a timer or something for two hours. Yes, there was that. I think uh, she would 
listen to John Bailey. <gasps> oh, yeah. That's right. She, yeah, love listening to some good jazz, um, like music with no lyrics. Yes. Mm. And so find the best songs from solo moments that she enjoyed and then mm. listen to the full albums. Mm. And then that helped her zone in. But uh, I, I asked the question. I did not expect her to be so. Yeah, I thought she'd just be like, I'm just a good reader. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As most of my conversations go. <laughs> Bon, where are you going? What are you doing for the holidays? Having um, a little break? Yeah, going down to the beach over Christmas and New Year's with my family. And then I have no plans. And the, so good, isn't it's it? It's great to have a long break, but when your partner doesn't have the same, it's a bit like... Uh, mm. And they're working from home. It's much more obvious like that you were just sitting around doing nothing. I know. It's a good problem to have. I'm not yeah. complaining. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm in the same situation and I'll complain. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. It's like, oh... I'm just gonna. Oh, you feel get feel guilty? I'm like, I suppose I should, you know, sweep the floors or yeah. something. <laughs> oh, I don't want to. I'm just gonna chill out. I'm going. Um, I'm going to Sydney tonight, so oh, I'm gonna wow. head to the northern beaches oh. and. Um, Amazing. I know. I know. I know. It's all right. I'm. I'm doing. I'm doing my show that I haven't done since March, and um, that's gonna be. Oh. That's gonna be fun. Ooh. Oh, what comes next? I don't know. Though we'll find out. Um, uh, it'll be yeah. I'm excited, but it's like I'm got. I'm getting like the first flight out of Sydney <laughs> tomorrow morning. Yeah. So I'm kind of in and out. And then we're having like our family Christmas on uh, t- Saturday tomorrow night. Oh gosh! And so that'll be really fun. And then yeah, we'll be in Venice Bay for Christmas. What so. are you going to do if someone coughs during the show? Oh, that'll be too far away. Oh, okay. No problem. Big, big theatre. Oh, great. Well, oh, there you go. You know, average <laughs> average size theatre. You know, Opera whatever. House. Here we come. Yeah. Triple R. It is time for the Breakfasters Breakdown Quiz. Yeah. Uh, all three returning champions are with us today. <laughs> Uh, in the um, in the blue corner, welcome the return of Sarah Smith. How are Thanks you? Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's so nice to see you. Uh, it's nice to have you here. How, how are you feeling? What's been happening? I'm feeling good. I'm very glad this has happened in the middle of our June's first Wonder Week. Which, for those who don't know what that is, is when a baby grows a lot um, and turns into a bit of a banana for three days. Uh, But then they do something like smile at you, so it's all worth it. Uh, Yeah, so that's this is this is I'm already off to a disadvantage. I just like to say for many reasons, but mostly because my child is growing immensely in the last three days, and that means she doesn't sleep. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that you're doing the mons tactic of. Oh, things are oh, a bit tough, and I, I might not go so well. And then you'll coming in for the kill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tune, Lord, have mercy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, Mon and Daniel are of course here. Um, yes, Mon hello. Champion last week. Um, hey guys, congratulations on making it to the end of the year. Thank you. I was just, I'm so proud of you all. I just wanted to say that because I haven't been able to see you, so you know, not to. Interrupt the. Yeah, well no, that's all right. You well, can go into details if you want. Why are you so <laughs> proud? Well, because it's, you know, I think everyone knows it's been a, a year like no other, unprecedented. Mm. Many might say 
many times over. Uh, but you are all sitting in the studio together as well, kind of in two separate studios now, which is really cool. I can't be there, which is sad. Yeah. But um, I just think it's really cool that you actually made it to the end. You dragged your carcasses all the way there. Yeah. yeah. Well, you. I was going to say you dragged a car. You 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 dragged your own carcass. Okay, two carcasses <laughs> and a baby. So yeah, well done. Yeah, it's it's been absolutely monumental. It's so great to see you on air with us for the final show. Mm. Let's just um just sit in silence. <laughs> you know what? Right now, that's all I want in my life. So that'd be great if the audience would just gift us that for the last fifteen minutes of the year. Well, knowing my form, just ask me a question, and silence is what you get. <laughs> now, I've done a bit of a. I've I've got a couple of questions uh, from throughout the week. And also uh, questions from the last few months as well. So hopefully it'll be Eve and Stevens. Everyone's in with a chance with this. And Daniel definitely has the most, the biggest advantage, having been here for that. You would month. think so, wouldn't <laughs> yeah. you? But let's see. Let's see what happens. In oh wait, before sorry, I've nearly I've jumped the gun a bit here. Let's test your buzzers. Oh no. Well, I really want my buzzer to be um, the entirety of Shania Twain's Look How Far We've Come Now, Baby. <laughs> okay. Um, but I don't know if I can manage it. But I'll just sing a little bit of that because I feel like it should be the theme song for this mm. last 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're still the one, I believe, is oh, the name. Oh, that's what it's called, yeah. Pat, give it a go. Uh, look how far we've come now, baby. <laughs> that's quite a long buzzer. That's good. <laughs> I know. That's great. Another disadvantage. All right. Uh, maybe we'll add in putting your hand up as, as well as a visual reference um, in case. Yeah, yeah. You can okay. do that. Mon, what's your buzzer noise? Wah. Okay. All right. I'm going to... Uh... Oh, oh, the rattle's back. Well, it's, it's... You have to do this to me on my one morning off. Oh, sorry. It's, <laughs> not, it's, rattle. Not, it's not a rattle. rattle. It's a... The the vitamins that have that have failed me so it sounds like there's one single vitamin in there. <laughs> yeah, that's all, I've eaten all of them. They're useless. Mm. All right, here we go. It's time for the breakfast's breakdown quiz. Oh. Question number one. <clears throat> How does Daniel make a Tom Collins? Oh, Mon. <laughs> you got to be quick, um, everybody. He's a, a gin from a, a Richmond distillery that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, elderflower cordial uh-huh. and tonic. And... No, oh, and ice, but that goes in every cocktail. Uh, uh, anyone, f- feel free to jump in. Oh, uh, Daniel, you, I heard you I heard Well, you do you want a Prosecco or... Yeah. Oh, no. So uh, that's one point to Daniel. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. yeah you... I got three out of the four. Too bad. Oh, you didn't never have should have the... let you back in the studio. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> didn't have the complete answer. I've got, hang on, I have to, I didn't get my pen and paper to do scores. I always forget this. No, I've got it. I've got it. I'm okay. under control. So Daniel's on one point. Also, I think I should be saying Prosecco. Yeah, instead of what? Prosecco. No, yeah. Instead of what? Well, I said Prosecco. Prosecco. Oh, no, no, no. No, I, 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 oh, said, I, I said something Oh, on... It's Prosecco. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely Prosecco. Not Prosecco. Prosecco. Oh, I see, yeah. That's why. Uh, like Chile. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Daniel. Uh, question number two. Mm. Digger suggested we should get everyone what for Christmas? 
Come on, think all, about it. Mon? We suggested a lot of things. Did he? But he said everyone should give everyone a... <gasps> oh! <laughs> a tree. A tree. Oh, I wasn't going to get that. Oh. Here we go. I've done it again. I buzz in too early and I don't know what to do. I'm quitting. I'm turning my microphone off. Mon, I cannot believe I miss the quiz every week and you are worse than me. Do people give a shit on the text line like they used to give me shit? <laughs> Sorry. Just step back a second. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Did you listen last week? I have. Oh, I'm, I am incensed. I can't believe this. <laughs> Do you mean, so, so you're buzzing in, you're getting it wrong, you're throwing a tantrum. It's yeah. really so rattle out of the like, cot behaviour. Sorry yeah. if that's triggering. <laughs> and, yeah, you're right. It gets away with it. Yeah, it's oh. extraordinary. And now I understand why people texted in about me. <laughs> Question number three. Oh, I'm just nervous. What does the microbe of syphilis look like? Oh. Mon. A worm or a snake. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah, ding, 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 ding. Right. Mon's on the board. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Question number four. It's a very unusual question if you didn't see the, hear the segment. <laughs> oh, well, we've, we've all learnt something. Oh, that's why I try to bring to these quizzes. Yeah. Uh, question number four. What is Michael Harden's hot tip to put in the bottom of your canvas shopping bag when you take it on a picnic? Mon. A, uh, a chopping board. C- correct. Yeah. Here we oh, go. Even hot. Steven, Sarah, you might want to – are you still there? Do you want to play or not? <laughs> Hey, is it clear I have not listened to the show? Or what did I say? It's a wonder week. It's I haven't off. listened all week. Okay, here we go. This is a question from when you were around. So Ooh, I listened the week before this, if that helps. Okay. I thought, I was like, Sarah listens every day, so she'll be fine. <laughs> uh, is, wait, is a wonder week a humble brag? Is no. it like, oh, sorry, I'm so, my child's so developed. Like, <laughs> you're at, you spend it all hoping they'll develop because there's apps telling you, your child should smile. And my, my child wasn't smiling four days ago. I'm freaking out. Uh, question number five. Um, if you are going to serve a platter to Daniel and you don't want him to be absolutely appalled, how should the dip be served? Mon. I should also correct you. Sarah wasn't. This was me. Oh, yeah, I've jumped ahead. The, di- Sorry. the dip needs to be in a ramekin. Yeah, correct. Show some respect for yourself yeah. and the dip <laughs> and your friends. Mm. And also, yeah, if, you're gonna, if you buy a gherkin dip, you can get away with it. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Question number six. What kind of potatoes did I find when out walking in the reserve by, behind my house? Look how far we've come now, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Sarah Smith. <laughs> Oh no! Now I've forgotten. Oh, they're, the, they're the long, they're the long pale yep. ones. Yep. But baby brain, I've forgotten the Rah. name of them. Rah. Okay, Mon. I don't even know what the segment was, but a long pale potato is a kipfla. Is that what you? No, saying? that's someone who gave it away. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you a point, Sarah, just for coming in and buying. Oh, and this um, is... Mon, thanks for giving Sarah the answer. So, question number seven. <gasps> I can't believe you got it from my shit description. <laughs> and I didn't even get a point for it. No, nah, no point. I'm just I'm trying to make it exciting. <clears throat> Question number seven. Uh, when you pick your own mushrooms and you're not entirely sure what you're doing, the rule when cooking is to leave half a mushroom to the side for who? Oh, dead. Daniel. Uh, no, go on, Sarah. I forgot anyway. It's the coroner. The coroner, correct. That's right. Oh, wow. Here we go. 
Michael Harden gets cracks two mentions in the final year quiz. Yeah, it's, mm. well, it's um, he, he gives us information that's retainable. Yeah. Um, question number eight. Uh, thought I got a bargain when I bought rollerblades as a teenager. Turns out I got mon two two left ones. That's correct. <laughs> two. But you knew though. It's not like you got them home and thought though. No, like, I you... knew what I knew exactly what I was getting. <laughs> I thought it'll be. How bad can it be? Like the 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 wheels are in a straight line. Surely it doesn't matter. It does. Uh, oh, here we go. Get it. You, anyone can get this one. Oh, okay. So get ready with your buzzers. Oh, all right. Growing up, why didn't Mon watch Seinfeld? <laughs> Daniel, because her sister, not Mon, reckons they're all ugly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Do you know why that's offensive on so many levels? <laughs> I don't want to dig any deeper. And can I please maintain? Because people would not tell my... me I look like Elaine. <laughs> you come in, you take my job. <laughs> it was my sister. It was the youngest. I had no choice. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is the last question for the last quiz of the year. In our last show, <clears throat> I'm going to give uh, this this last question is worth 10 points. Yeah. Question number 10. Sing Johnny Farnham's That's Freedom. Look how far we've come <laughs> now, Sarah. baby. That's freedom. <laughs> Just a little bit more. Come on. Well, can't you do your the voice? Oh, no, it's that's freedom. I know. I'm sorry. I don't know all the other words. That's freedom. You're the voice. Try and understand it. You're the voice. Try and make it clear. That's not even the word. Steve Bowen would be appalled. Yeah, that, do you know what? I nearly put that in as a, as a question. So, Daniel, I'll give you a point for that. <laughs> Sarah, I'll give you point, a point for having a go. Yeah, thanks. And Mon, um, you get a point too because I stole one off you before, but you deserve it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. And so the winner of the quiz is me for writing it up yeah. everywhere. Yay. Um, it's a joy to do. Thank you. I miss breakfast is live, but um, I hope that this has been an adequate substitution for live music. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next at the corner. Um, God. Well, oh, hang on. <laughs> oh, I could have said no. goodbye. That would be. Now nah, play it over me. I love that song. No, play it under Sarah talking. It'll be really nice. Okay. Oh, and it'll yeah. seem seamless. Yeah. Be dramatic. Yeah. I just want to thank Daniel, Geraldine. On for filling in for me. You've done such a stellar job this year. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for the support. You're the wind beneath my wings. I cannot believe you got belief through this year. I'm so proud of everyone. Thanks to the listeners for sticking by. That's it. Yeah. Love you guys. Love you. Yay. Love you so much. Thanks, Sarah. Triple R. You've been listening to a podcast of the best bits of The Breakfasters, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. 
Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or via the Triple R website.